All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, on the line, I got Trita Parsi, and he was at the National Iranian American Council, and then he helped co-found the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, and of course he writes there at Responsible Statecraft, but you can also find him in all kinds of mainstream things too. And uh, of course the subject is... Iran and the danger of war. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, Trita? Good to be back. Uh, everybody's so busy keeping track of the war in Eastern Europe and the threat of war in East Asia. And geez, they said we're pivoting out of the Middle East there. And yet, as long as there's Israel, there's problems with Iran, huh? Well, in this specific case, I don't know if it's just Israel, uh, but obviously with what the administration is trying to do, I, in my view, I, I cannot quite wrap my head around why they are putting so much effort into a normalization between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And that is driving them towards reversing a lot of things that we had seen. You know, those things were not necessarily will be fulfilled, but there were movements in the right direction in terms of bringing troops home, deprioritizing the Middle East. But in order to get this normalization, we're seeing the administration now moving in the opposite direction, including trying to uh, demonstrate to the Saudis who are asking for security guarantees that the U.S. is committed to their security, committed to deterring Iran, and by that actually making moves that risk uh, escalating this whole thing with Iran towards some form of a confrontation. Yeah. All right. Now, so we got a couple of articles at issue here I want people to look at. By caving to Israel, Biden opens the door to war. And with Marines on Persian Gulf vessels, is Biden risking war with Iran? That's really interesting, but that's got to wait a minute. So we got to go back a little bit. Iran's got this civilian nuclear program. They're members of the NPT. They have regular inspections. But that wasn't enough. In the early Obama years especially, 2012 I think was the worst of it, Netanyahu was threatening war. And a lot of people in D.C. were really taking him seriously. And so as much as people, including me, hate Barack Obama, all he was really trying to do, Trita, I believe we agreed at the time, was he's just trying to take the threat of war off the table. If the NPT and the Safeguards Agreement inspections aren't enough somehow to quell this issue— then the JCPOA will, because we're going to have an additional protocol, the Safeguards Agreement, and we're going to have expanded inspections and roll back their program, and then everyone will know. They're not making nuclear weapons, and they won't even be able to make one within a year if they started to try now. And then it was at Netanyahu's insistence, as you point out in your article, that Trump tore that deal up. It wasn't a treaty, but close. But then Joe Biden came in, and instead of saying... Well, crazy old Donald Trump, the aberration Russian agent or whatever fantasy of these Democrats, he did a bad thing by tearing up Barack Obama's great deal. I'm getting right back in it as per the consensus of the American foreign policy establishment and everything. He didn't do that. 
and instead he went with Trump's policy. Maximum pressure, maximum sanctions, and a deal with Saudi Arabia? Is that even in the offing? And what is really behind that other than the Israel lobby? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think you're quite right in the sense that the biggest mistake Biden committed in this specific area is that he didn't go back in right away. Instead, he tried to negotiate a return and by that use Trump's sanctions as leverage, which means that up until today, uh, Trump's sanctions and maximum pressure is still uh, in place. In fact, can I interject here real quick that I know it's not John Kerry, but still it's Blinken and Sullivan and a lot of the same crew from the Obama years. They had to have known that wasn't going to work since they were the ones who were had to so delicately finesse this thing to get the deal done in the first place, as we know. I got to tell you, they, there were uh, different views within that team. And some of the folks that are in more senior positions right now had opinions that Obama should have uh, driven a tougher deal, all of these different things. And also that he should have done things in a different way in order not to alienate Netanyahu, which I think, again, is a non, I just don't understand how that would have been possible. And I think they thought that they're going to essentially outdo Obama and get a better deal. And I think, you know, they were talking about longer and stronger things of that nature. I think it was a huge mistake. Um, and they should have known better, in my view. And some of them I do know were not necessarily very excited about this approach, but that's the approach the president chose. and. As one critical aspect of that maximum pressure that is still left is that the Biden administration has been uh, confiscating and selling oil taken from tankers that were transporting Iranian oil. It's, it's falling under the rubric of sanctions enforcement, even though those sanctions are now enforced on international waters where U.S. law does not apply. In response to that, the Iranians have started to target um, tankers in the Persian Gulf and elsewhere from countries that are abiding by this U.S. policy, and that's created a lot of tensions. And now the Biden administration has been contemplating putting U.S. Marines on those ships mm-hmm. in order to protect them and deter Iran. But all that really does is that it really increases the risk of these U.S. Marines getting into the line of fire, and then suddenly we will have a shooting war. Right. And then you and I can already hear it now. Oh, you're on the side of the Iranians that killed our Marines. Oh, God. And there you go. Yeah, I mean, one scenario that I think is important to think of is that with all the new technology that exists right now, the Iranians could be using uh, an underwater drone to take out the engine of one of those ships where Marines are on, uh, wait for that ship to drift into Iranian waters, and then take it. And at, at that moment, if if the U.S. goes in with more troops and ships and vessels to try to uh, protect those Marines. I mean, then U.S. Uh, warships will be entering Iranian territorial waters. Hmm. So, I mean, these are very dangerous scenarios. And incidentally, this did in one way happen in 2016 in January, just a few days before the JCPA was supposed to be going into full effect. Hmm. But that was but completely by accident. Ten American sailors drifted into Iranian waters. That ordeal was resolved in 16 hours after five phone calls between John Kerry and Javad Zarif, the Iranian foreign minister. But back then, the U.S. and Iran were talking to each other directly. Now we're not. So if something like this were to happen, it would certainly lead to a crisis, probably the biggest foreign policy crisis of the Biden administration. Yep. Well, folks, sad to say, they lied us into war. All of them. 
World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War I, Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq War II, Libya, Syria, Yemen, all of them. But now you can get the ebook, All the War Lies, by me for free. Just sign up for the email list at the bottom of the page at scotthorton.org or go to scotthorton.org slash subscribe. Get All the War Lies by me for free. And then you'll never have to believe them again. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. And listen, I'm guilty of it too. And I bet you at least some of the listeners, they missed the first part and heard the second. Right? That... The Iranians are boarding ships in the Middle East and doing this and that. But what was the first part? The first part was America was seizing Iranian oil tankers on the high seas, you're saying, right? First. Yes. I mean, this is no secret, even though it's not emphasized in the reporting. It's almost they're going out of their way to uh, disconnect the connection there. But the connection is very clear. The Iranians are doing this in retaliation. They were not doing this before the U.S. started targeting Iranian oil. Some of that Iranian oil, incidentally, is sitting in Houston right now, but it, there's no sellers, there's no buyers, because no country wants to buy that oil, because if they do, they're afraid that they're going to be targeted by the Iranians. In what way? Well, I mean, the U.S. is taking that oil, is trying to sell the oil and keep the money for itself. And uh, if some country comes in and buys that oil, even though it's not America's oil, uh, they're worried that they're going to be targeted by Iranian warships next time one of the tankers of that country is passing through the Persian Gulf. Right, I see. Because that's who's being targeted. It's not just random ships. They're targeting ships from countries that are participating in this global dragnet. Exactly. So, for instance, if uh, earlier on there was a Greek ship uh, that was targeted and that was after uh, the Greeks had uh, accepted a request by the U.S. to target an Iranian ship that had entered the Mediterranean. So the Greeks essentially end up in the middle here, getting squeezed by both sides. Mm -hmm. By accepting the American instruction uh, demand, uh, they then ended up paying a price by having their ships uh, be confiscated by the Iranians in the Persian Gulf. And this yeah. was a big problem for the Greeks, who rely heavily on their shipping industry. Okay, now give us a thumbnail of these Abraham Accords and where we're at with Saudi Arabia and Israel now. Well, there's a lot of reporting that says that there's been some significant progress made towards achieving a normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And I, I have to say, I don't fully understand why this has become such a priority for the administration. Because first of all, as we saw the Abraham Accords do, it doesn't do anything to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, nothing. On the contrary, it is essentially justifying and uh, normalizing Israel's creeping annexation of Palestinian territory and eliminating elimination of any prospects for a two-state solution. 
Uh, and there's little to suggest that anything that would happen between Israel and Saudi Arabia would reverse that, particularly mindful of the fact that the government in, Saudi, in Israel right now is the most right-wing and the most explicit in, in stating its goal of trying to prevent a two-state solution. Uh, so under those circumstances, to pursue this is really uh, baffling to me. But then when you add the, the price tag for pursuing it, it becomes even more baffling. Because part of the price tag, at least what the Saudis are demanding, and now the Israelis as well, is security guarantees from the United States. The Saudis want a defense pact with the US as strong as NATO's Article 5, which means that Biden would have gone from promising to make Saudi Arabia a pariah to now sending American servicemen and women to die for the dictator of Saudi Arabia. That's the mother of all flip-flops in my view. Yeah. Um, and now, we have this uh, breaking report from the New York Times here that the U.S. and Iran have a new deal where the Iranians are going to release some prisoners onto house arrest as sort of a halfway house on the way to them being released to the United States. Sounds like they were arrested for being spies. They're uh, Iranian-Americans or American-Iranians. And then the Americans, it says, are going to give Iran access, limited access to $6 billion in frozen funds That'll be held in a Qatari account, I think it is, where, you know, and they'll only be able to spend that money on food and medicine. What do you make of that? Is that real progress or just a little bit? It, it certainly is progress because uh, these Americans that are held in Iran were held on, uh, uh, wrongfully held on false charges of uh, espionage. I know some of them quite well. Um, and they were at least one of them was supposed to be released many times before but kept on being passed over and finally after seven years he's now going to be released the united states president has a responsibility of making sure that americans are safe and by making this deal and bringing them home he's securing their freedom and i think that's absolutely correct uh, it is not connected to these other issues and in some ways it shouldn't be because uh, it's been a problem in the past that it kind of has been connected to the nuclear issue which meant that these poor innocent people were kept in Iran, not only being prisoned by the Iranians, but also being prisoned by the lack of progress between the US and Iran on the nuclear issue. So uh, sorting that out, meaning you know, disconnecting that issue and allowing them to come home, even though there is no progress on the nuclear front, I think is absolutely the right thing to do. It can create some positive momentum that yeah. potentially could be translated into progress on the nuclear front. But I'm skeptical that the administration is going to choose to do that for the simple reason that they're going to take political heat for simply having done this prisoner swap because Iran's own money is going to be released back to it indirectly. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot of attacks on the administration from Republicans. So given that the proximity to the presidential campaign, I find it unlikely that they will take advantage of the momentum that this can create and move forward. Uh, with the JCPOA. If they do, I would strongly welcome it, but I just find it unlikely. Trita Parsi from Quincy. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you so much for having me. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.